family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. In our series, The Art of Neighboring, um, this was a week that was focused on to look at the concept of fear. Um, when we put the series together, we, we sort of labeled this, this day fear factor. What's the fear factor that keeps us, um, disables us, and really prevents us from being willing to be a neighbor, to walk across the street, to uh, step outside our comfort zone? You know, I want to talk about the things that are, it's more than just that, well, I'm more introverted, or I don't know their names, or uh, I really want to talk to a deeper level. Things that really sort of speak to what, what speaks to us about fear. And so I want to not teach you how to get past your fear to say hello to your neighbor. I really want to just take a dead aim at this concept of what is fear. But before we jump into it, I want, to, I want us to think about this concept of fear. Oftentimes, you may have heard fear uh, as an acronym, false evidence appearing real. It, it sort of casts this idea that, that all fear is bad. Not all fear is bad. Some fear is good and necessary. If we were to uh, wrap up from church and see one of the little two-year-old toddlers with great speed and recklessness going down that sidewalk into the parking lot, and we know that cars were going, we would have a natural response. It would be a, a sense of fear. That's an appropriate response. Um, if you see a snake, I would suggest you be like Moses and be fearful, right? Uh, if you see a spider, be like my wife and uh, make it one with the wall or one with the tile, wherever it is. And don't worry, you can always repair that hole or put some more tile down. The fear is a natural kind of response that we have. So I want to kind of acknowledge that, but I want to talk about the kind of fear that is disabling, the kind of fear that paralyzes. Maybe you've heard that phrase, the uh, paralysis of analysis, right? People who need enough information, they can't make a move because they don't have enough information. So we want to look at this. I've got a different passage to look at today. It's a passage that really we usually speak of when it comes to uh, the season of Advent, preparing for Christmas. But I think in the life of Zechariah, we can find some important clues about how God loves us through the fears, and getting through things is as important as getting away from things. So hold on to that thought, through rather than from. But to kind of help us understand, because oftentimes we'll read a text and it, it's hard to sort of imagine what was going on. Uh, this is a picture of 
a model of Jerusalem. So in a minute, you're going to hear the story of Zechariah. Zechariah would have been in one of 24 divisions of priests. In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, David outlines 24 divisions of priests. Each one had approximately 350 priests. There would be about 8,000 priests total. Each division would be assigned two weeks. And in those two weeks, those priests would come together and for two weeks, five of them would be selected by casting lots to perform very specific tasks within the Jewish faith. Primarily by taking items of showbread and incense and offering and trimming the lights inside that large middle area. So you've heard of the holiest of holies. Uh, this is a model. This is what it would have looked like during Jesus' time. So when you see the western wall today... On the back side of that tall building is basically where the Western Wall is today. Because it's the closest that the Jewish people can get to what used to be the holiest of holies. So Zechariah is one of 350. He's got a two-week term of service. And they cast lots. And then once you're picked, your name comes out. You can only do this once in a lifetime because your, your division has two weeks a year. And if you think about it, the priests were being added to and priests were dying. Some priests would serve in the division all of their life and never, ever have the opportunity to be selected to take items into this area. Now, no one goes into the holiest of holies, which is in the very back where the Ark of Covenant is, except for one high priest, and they've got to have a rope around, and that's a hole around their leg. That's a whole other conversation. But what I want you to understand is, what we're about to read about with Zechariah was an incredibly significant event in his life. A, a literally once-in-a-lifetime event. And when we think about the things that challenge us, that create fear in us, that distract us, or hold us in places that are not healthy, or places that keep us from stepping forward because, well, we, we know God's calling us, but... I, I'm just afraid. We're going to learn some things about the resiliency of God's love for us and the power of God's love for us. So what we're going to read about is this is going to take place, all of these events, right in the inner courtyard area that you see there. Here's what the text says. In Luke chapter 1, when Zechariah now sealed the end of the story, Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. So that's who's going to be promised. So in the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Remember how we talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 24. So that's his division. You can read there and find that. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, this was his two-week period, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all of the assembled worshipers are praying outside. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him 
standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many to the people of Israel, to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when the time of his service was completed, he returned home. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you help us to recognize your word and your covenant that is in your word? in your grace that is in your covenant, in your goodness that's in your grace. And may your spirit stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we gather, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. We often read this passage around Christmas time, Advent, the season preceding Christmas. We read about Elizabeth, now she meets Mary, and John leaps within her womb with joy because the recognition of being in the presence of Jesus. We sometimes sort of scale over this angelic visit and deal not too well with the concept of fear. There's lots of things that drive fear. I'm not going to try to psychologize the context of fear. What I do want us to think about is we can probably commonly agree that fear can actually change the way reality looks for us. Sometimes if we're waiting for a diagnosis, sometimes if we have a test or we're waiting to see something happening, fear can set in in a diagnosis. Maybe you've got just a little leak in the roof and you don't know what it looks like and before the roofer gets there, by that time, you're already thinking, oh no, it's horrible, it's horrible. You see things happening and you, you don't know and your imagina imagination takes over. It's as if your body and your mind and soul needs to prepare you for what the worst possible thing could be. 
So what are things that we can learn from Zechariah? The first thing that we can learn from Zechariah is that God meets us where we are, even in our fears. Oftentimes we talk about faith that's so great it could move the mountains, uh, agreeing in the faith and thinking in the faith together that this is what God wants and we're certain of it, but we need to recognize fear is not the opposite of faith. That faith and fear are cohabited. They can be in your soul at the same time. Your fear could actually maybe make you more attuned to your faith and lean more into God. If you're in a season or a time of unknown, what's not yet known, or you're anticipating what could be, it, it gives you the opportunity to lean towards God. Here, here's Zechariah. And the difference between Zechariah's response, for those of you who've read the whole of first chapter of Luke, is that Mary says, how will this be? But Zechariah says, how can this be? And those are two different questions to Gabriel's visit. Zechariah is driven more by doubt. His fear drives to a sense of doubt. He was alarmed and he was afraid. So the first thing you need to know is if, if you think about who Zechariah was, how God had chosen him for the task that he had chosen him, and his fear is appropriate to bring into the presence of God, then so is ours. Our fear is appropriate to bring to God. It doesn't mean that we lack faith. In fact, it may be that we need to introduce our fears to our faith in an ever-increasing measure. The second thing we can learn about this passage is the way in which God stays present in the conversation with Zechariah. God has a great ability to hang with us in those moments of the unknown, in those moments when the imagination of our fear takes over. Even when you read in the text that everybody's outside wondering what's taking so long, right? I mean, Zechariah's not the first one to go in and, 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 and perform this task. I mean, he's on the clock. Something's going on. Everybody knows something's different. Have you ever felt like that, that something's going on in your life and you feel like everybody knows? Well, God knows too. The question is, do we bring it to God? Do we bring that to God? Do we say and name that to say, God, I'm bringing this fear to you. I need your, I need your help to help me get through this season of fear. I need to bring this unknown to you and ask for you to help me give your discernment to me. Help me to hear what I need to hear in the people around me. Help me to hear the scriptures, what I need about your constancy of love and grace. And another thing that's amazing is Zachariah's response in fear does not deter God's plan. It doesn't deter God's plan. The announcement for who John the Baptist will be comes at the end of Zechariah's fearful response. God says, this is what's going to happen. Now, I'm not telling you that every one of you is going to go mute because you doubt the angel of God for a visit. But I am telling you, your human response can't change God's desire and dream for your life. It can, it can stall it. It can make it go in curves. It can make it longer to come to fruition. But God is still going to be with you in it. Sean and I were visiting this week about um, something she heard, and I was thinking about this message about how 
God was bringing Zechariah through this moment and not around it. And she had mentioned that she was exposed to some teaching that was talking about how God had delivered David through Goliath, not from Goliath. God had delivered Daniel through the lion's den, not from the lion's den. And how in our culture and world at times, we think about a delivery from something rather than a delivery through something. About how those are two different things. And I'm thankful that the witness of Scripture is a God who constantly is delivering his people in mass and individually through circumstances. It was through the wilderness that God led his people. It was through the Red Sea that he delivered them. It was through the wilderness. In fact, Jesus even says in John chapter 17, Father, I don't ask that you take these disciples of mine out of the world. I pray that you protect them from the evil one. So when it comes to this concept of, of our fear, what's been impressed on my heart as I thought of this week is that we need to remember that when we come up against these moments that seem so overwhelming that they create a fear in us, we need to know that God's love and presence will maintain its push, its love, its embrace of our life, even when we respond in fear and respond in doubt, because that's the kind of God who loves us. You read the rest of John chapter 1, you find out Elizabeth has a child. It's John the Baptist. It's Jesus' cousin. And he goes on to do all the things. You see, God's plan and desire and will was fulfilled even when Zechariah couldn't fully comprehend what was going on. I say all that to say this. You know what kind of neighbors I think we need to be in the world? I think we need to be neighbors who are okay with fear. I think we need to be good neighbors that are okay with the unknown. I think the world needs more people that are in love with God, in love with Christ, and are okay with what's not fully known, what's unknown. And I think that's us. I think it's a people of faith. Inviting people, getting to know our neighbors by name, Filling out that sheet, finding that, hey, is there something I can pray for in your life? Notice we didn't create a sheet that said, hey, go fix your neighbor. We said, go pray for your neighbor. Get to know your neighbor. Get to know what's going on with them. I'm convinced to the core of my being that the greatest untapped strength and witness of the church in the world today is a people who are just willing to be authentic and be able to say, I am loved with an everlasting love by God who will bring me through all things, even when life sucketh. And that's the King James Version. Because <laughs> some days, life sucketh. Things hurt. Things can't be fully explained. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that brokenness in the world, and I'll invite the band to be coming up because we're going to sing about this, right? This, this sense of the unknownness of what we hear and know. To be able to proclaim a message that shouts in the middle of all the unknown that we're loved, that we're loved by a God who's okay with the imperfectness, who's okay with the brokenness, who's okay with the questions, who's 
loving every part of our life, even those places that aren't really even put together yet. That's the kind of neighbors I think we can be in the world. And I think that people in the world need to know a place they can go and be welcomed and to say, this is a place that you are free to share, free to be who you are, free to express what your heartache is and bring it to God and free for you and me to walk alongside without trying to fix everything, just walking with people. And sometimes the greatest witness is this. I, I, I don't know your pain. I don't know your fears. I don't know your brokenness. But let me tell you the story of how God got me through. Remember how we started this day as Ryan and I poured our hearts into thinking of this day is, where has God gotten you through? And where is that story of God's faithfulness in your life? What you can share and be the best neighbor and just let your life point to the love of Jesus Christ. God may not bring you from it, but he'll always bring you through it. And that's the great good news of his love. As you come to communion this day, we're going to stand and prepare our hearts in a song. I pray that you'll bring whatever fears you have and just leave them here. And as First Peter says, to cast all your cares on God, for he cares for you. Let's let Ryan lead us and prepare our hearts for communion.